And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. This is going to be a quick live mailbag getting ready for week 12. This is a pre-Thanksgiving edition of this podcast. So I, I just, you know, I like food. I'm excited for tomorrow. I'm sure you are too. We still have a couple more Saints practices getting ready for week 12. But, you know, there's going to be some questions we can get into. So so let's start right there. Goonie 300 says, offense slash defense is so outdated. And I agree with this on the offensive side of the ball. I think you would love to see more RPOs. You would love to see more play action, more motion. That's all fair game to me. I think that is more than accurate. And, you know, as much as I think Pete Carmichael is a good coach, Pete Carmichael is a good football mind. I'm, I, I don't think even if you even if you find success at the end of this season and you and you make a run in the playoffs, you do whatever. I still think you need to replace him as the offense coordinator. I thought you need to replace him last year as the offense coordinator, at least in terms of as the play caller. But that's neither here nor there. You know, I actually I don't think the defense is outdated. I really don't. Like I, I think people confuse creativity with 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 success, and it's like you know some of the best defenses go back and look. They're not doing crazy things. They're running their base defense throughout the entire game and you have to beat it. And until you do, they're not going to change. Like you don't have to get creative on defense if you're winning with your base package, right? Like you want to be able to just rush four and drop seven and make life miserable on opposing quarterbacks. The What you have to be able to do in those circumstances is get pressure with your front four. And I think what this team has gotten a bit too comfortable with on the defensive side of the ball is saying we trust our secondary, we trust our corners, we can play man-to-man. But and, and that's working, right? Like you talk about the issues containing quarterbacks, right? Well, if they were able to throw, they would throw, right? Like you're talking about guys scrambling because they have to scramble, they have to extend plays. And the issue is you have not been able to stop them from extending plays. Which to me is like okay, so you're winning. You're getting you're getting the looks you want. You're just not getting the production out of your front four that you have to get, particularly to finish plays. Um, and 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 to me, that's got to change. And you know, while you would love to not have to send extra pressure, at a certain point, you do lose that ability. You lose that option. And I think the Saints are there right now because 18 sacks through 10 games is just is just nowhere near good enough. But I appreciate appreciate the comment. Goonie 300 is we just line up and play man to man and think we're going to win like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you do need to mix in more zone. I, I agree with that too. Let's continue. St. John Butler says, Miles Garrett has 13 sacks. Our entire defense has 18. Time to dial up the heat. Yeah, it would be nice to have Miles Garrett. <laughs> you know, that's, and that's, you know, that's part of the frustration is, you know, this is a team that wants to generate pressure with this front four and has invested heavily in being able to generate pressure with the front four, right? Like there's a reason you went out and drafted uh, defensive ends in the first round. There's a reason you went and aggressively got Marcus Davenport. There's a reason you went and aggressively, you know, and drafted Peyton Turner in the first round. There's a reason you drafted Isaiah Foskey in the second round this last season. The issue is you've just not gotten production out of any of those players. And yes, you do need to look long and hard at your evaluation process in terms of what defensive ends you're bringing in. I'm still, I still have hope, high hopes for Isaiah Foskey. I'm not giving up on Isaiah yet. You know, I think that he was in line to have an increased role. And then that quad injury happened at a very inconvenient time. And you've just, you know, this has been a very frustrating few games. And hopefully, you know, as we talked about, he's back practicing 
on a limited capacity. Hopefully he can get back. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been rough and, you know, Peyton Turner again, you know, it's, that one's tough because I actually think that Peyton Turner has it within him to be a good defensive end in the NFL. He just can't stay healthy. And, you know, that's the frustrating part. You can say, well, there's no way to know that a guy's going to get hurt other than the track record in college of getting hurt. But at the same time, it's like stop drafting injury prone defensive ends. Stop drafting defensive ends who have dealt with injuries throughout college. And, you know, it, it, it's tough because I think Brian Brzee, I think that was a, has, that has been a pick that looks really good. And he was an injury prone uh, defensive lineman. So, you know, that's what you're going to say is, well, well, it worked there. It didn't work there. So, I don't know, but it is frustrating. You do need to generate more pressure up front. And that has been a very, that's been a roadblock to your success this year. And I think they lucked out in terms of Carl Granderson has been a lot better than you probably anticipated. But even then, it's like, yeah, he's been very good for a UDFA defensive end out of Wyoming who has developed and gotten better and better and better. You know, the best defenses in the NFL, they have guys like Miles Garrett. You know, and and TJ Watt and guys like that, guys that are are these elite players that you you brought in to be that guy. Um, and so yeah, I, I that has probably been the biggest frustration of this season for me. Corvette BMW, they can't find a play for Jimmy Graham. <laughs> no, apparently they cannot. And I I said the other day that I'm done talking about it because it's just not worth it because it's clear. Like if you were gonna find plays for Jimmy Graham. You would have done it by now. And, you know, it to me, it looks like if Juwan Johnson and Foster Morrow are healthy and to a lesser extent, Taysom Hill in terms of your tight end room, you're not going to see Jimmy Graham. Because if you were going to see him, you would have seen him. And the frustrating thing is, wouldn't Jimmy Graham have been real nice to have on the field for that Hail Mary uh, against the Vikings? Probably. Um, but no, I don't think they, are, they can or are going to find a play for Jimmy Graham. Tim Fabenro. It says, Jeff, have you seen that chart that shows how far behind our offensive play calling is in the NFL? We are last, and yet we don't need to change right now. It's maddening. Well, okay. So that chart, I've seen that chart over and over again. It assumes that there is a set metric for what offensive, that, that you can grade offensive play calling in terms of being better or worse. And the pro so th- there's that I know exactly what chart you're talking about and what I the, the and I don't I don't disagree that the Saints play calling is is archaic in a sense but like you also you know there's I think play calling is overrated at points like at a certain point you just need the the players to win they need to to win on their routes and they need to make catches and they you know they you know they need to make blocks you know they need to find seams and so you can say it's on the play calling but that chart itself is very self-aggrandizing in the sense that you're talking... So it's talking about this play-calling metric that has been established based on the the types of calls that are correct, that are, that are, that are an addition to your chance to win. And then it is using the, the y-axis to, to grade the easy button usage, which is RPOs, play action, motion, that sort of thing. But the problem with that is you're you're using the same variable to grade. So it makes it seem worse than it is because you're talking bottom left-hand corner, top right-hand corner. And so it's it's doubling down on its own success in, in saying like, this is the right thing to do. So you're using both <laughs> axes to 
to, to, to indicate that, which is why, yeah. So if he was last in that metric, he's going to be last in that metric, which means he's there. And if you're first, so it doesn't really change anything. It might as well be a straight line. And yes, I agree that, you know, Pete Carmichael has not been getting the job done, but neither have the players, neither has the scheme. So, you know, and, and again, it's not like I agree that you probably should have made a change this last offseason. You probably should make a change this offseason, but there's nothing you're going to do in season that's going to substantively change that. You're not going to completely rebuild your offensive scheme. You're not going to completely rebuild your playbook in season. So, no, I don't think that making a change now would be helpful. But, you know, I, I do think that it's an interesting metric. I just, I just question this idea that that it's not like there is a there's a there's a yes answer and a no answer. It is this spectrum of what the correct thing would be, and that chart is assuming that anyone knows that in every circumstance, and that's just not true. Um, but I but I I think it's interesting. If you haven't seen it, you should go check it out. Here's another one. It says, I would agree with you. If we didn't call shot plays and we were only down by eight with 10 minutes left at the 50-yard line, make it make sense. See, this I agree with 100%. <laughs> in, especially in that game in particular. I So to, I differ in the idea of I'm okay with shot plays in situations that might not look like a shot play situation, right? Third and, third and 13, right? No one's complaining about that shot play because it worked. And that's my criticism is if you're going to complain about shot plays, complain about the ones that work because it's the same principle. You're doing the same thing. You were in the same situation against Tennessee and you ran a shot play and it worked. You're in the same situation against Carolina. You ran a shot play and it worked to close out both of those games. You were in a virtually the same situation against the Colts. You ran a shot play and it worked and you close out that game. Now against the Vikings is a very different situation because you, you went into that game with a game plan, you got down by 20, 21, 24 points in the third quarter. And then you threw out your entire game plan, right? You threw out the, the entire, you know, I think uh, we talked to Mark Slareth on Sports Talk and, it, and, he, and he mentioned that, you know, it feels at times like offensive coordinators are looking for every excuse possible to get away from the run. And that's what it felt like happened in that game in terms of, you know, you're down 24 and you're like, we got to make something happen. We got to make something happen. And I think the Saints almost forgot that it's like there's a point where if we're only down one score, we play like we're down one score. We don't play like we're down 21. And they never got out of that mode. And, and so in that game in particular, I, I agree. There was no reason to be taking shots from midfield when all you needed to do was get a couple first downs. And you know, I, I, I agree. You know, I think Pete... I was I was a lot less critical of Pete at the beginning of the season because I think the way the offense was operating actually made a little bit more sense and you were you were finding your way. The problem is the offense hasn't adapted throughout the course of the season. It has been stubbornly the same. And you know, you've seen things change in spurts, but it just feels like there it, it I just don't see Pete as having the ability to to create a game plan and and more and have that kind of mold itself to a game situation as a game develops. And, you know, it's it like, I, I think that more, more responsibility should be put on Derek Carr at the line. Right. And obviously that's not an answer for the Vikings game, because I think that's what has been happening in games throughout the course of a game is, is Derek is kind of leading that in terms of the second half adjustments and how you're operating down the stretch of games, especially in the tempo. And with Jameis, it just didn't happen that way. And that's why it just seemed very stubborn in that game because, because that's just not what happened. And, and if you go and you look at 
how these games have gone typically, the Saints offense has improved as the game has gone on. Uh, you know, the, the Titans win, the Colts win, the Texans game, right? Where you made a run in the second half. The Jags game where you made a run in the second half. Even the Vikings game to an extent. It just it kind of got bogged down. So I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. It's it's frustrating. But again, I just don't see how it's like making a play caller change right now would help you because because it's not like you're bringing anybody in. You're bringing in a P, another person from the same offense who already has that 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 infrastructure uh, in their brain. So yeah. Either way, I think you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot about this team this week. And if if they can't figure it out, if the offense just gets stuck in the mud again, then maybe yeah, maybe you do make a change. But I just don't see it. Um, unless you have to do it, I don't think you're gonna do it. All right, let's get to a few more. Thanks, Tim, for the questions. As always, um, Danny T. The issue is tackling too? Question mark, especially at the linebacker position. Pete can't play coverage. Now, you know it, it's funny because you, I would tend to agree in terms of there are moments throughout a game where you just it feels like they forget how to tackle and. There are big missed tackles, right? There, there are missed tackles that that end up leading to 20, 30 yard gains that shouldn't exist. But it's it's less about tackling; it's more about angles, I think, because like you don't see the Saints. You know, it's like you talk. Well, what's a missed tackle, right? It's a chance to. It's it's a tackle that should be made that you blow. It's not a tackle that you never get to, right? And so you look at the numbers, and the Saints they've missed forty one tackles this year. That's not that many. You're talking about, you know, less than four per game. That's not a ton of missed tackles. Uh, I think it's 26th in the NFL in terms of, so you're not missing tackles when you get to them. You're just not getting the proper angles. And and that's a team speed issue. And I've talked about this before. You got to find ways to fix that. And I just don't know how you do that in season. And I think, but like we talked about more zone, you're putting people in position to break from the top down as opposed to chase, you know, and that's just not something this defense has done traditionally. Maybe you can get into that more uh, because you're already playing at a disadvantage with, but without Marshawn, maybe you can make some adjustments there that, that help you down the stretch. But you know, it's funny. I looked that up expecting to see the missed tackle number be a lot higher and it actually isn't that high. And, and again, I think it's more about angles than actual tackling. Um, but it's interesting. Goonie 300 again, Mickey and Dennis Allen are content with just winning a horrible, division and i see i i don't see the the issue with 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 being okay with winning a horrible division you should want to win your division you're not like i i don't understand the 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 dream of being bad like there's this there's this pie in the sky idea of i want to rebuild so that maybe in 10 years we can be back to this point but be slightly better the answer is you go find a quarterback, you get that quarterback, but it's not as simple as just bringing in a quarterback. There's no, there's no, there's no sign hanging over their head saying this is the franchise quarterback, right? Like you're, you're, you're just as likely to get that top pick and draft, I don't know, Sam Darnold as you are a CJ Stroud. And the fact is the Saints aren't going to get into that position unless they completely tear down the entire roster. And then you have, Unwatchable season after unwatchable season after unwatchable season. That's it's not better. That's it's, it's not. Uh, you know, and, and people say, well, they should. They should, the, the, it worked for the Texans, and and you know the Texans are in a very good position right now. But the, the Saints are 
nowhere near where the Texans were going into this season, right? First of all, the Texans had three failed seasons. They had three seasons worse than any the Saints have had in the last 15, 16 years. Like, so dropping to the bottom of the barrel, it's not a one season and done thing unless you luck, no pun intended, into Andrew Luck like the Colts did where Peyton Manning had neck surgery and then they just happened to be the worst team in the NFL, got the number one pick, and then he had a no-brainer first number one overall pick, right? That doesn't happen. That's luck. That is dumb luck for luck. And anyway, I'm sorry, I need to stop saying luck. Either way, you know, you're way more likely to end up in the situation the Panthers are in where you, the guy you want is at the top and you go get him. You know, the, what I will say for the Saints is I don't think Gail would – force anything <laughs> i don't think that's not the type of owner she is and uh and you'll go from there but you know i i'm i'm okay with winning a division i want to group for a team that that wants to go out and win its division i don't i don't know like i i don't i think there are issues that you need to fix but i don't think intentionally creating a situation where your team should go out and lose because they are not good enough to win is the answer personally this guy's name is Drew388 Hater. Says, I'm going to go be so pissed if we draft another lineman in the first round. Why? I, I don't understand that either. You know, like, 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 look at the teams who have drafted well historically, and they're the teams that draft linemen in the first round. You, like, that, they're, they're not the sexy picks, but like, I think teams that go out and draft skill positions in the top 10 are. Or, you know, like, go show me that, you know, other than maybe Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, which was just a no-brainer slam dunk. These guys were stars in college. They're going to be stars together in the NFL. That made sense. In most cases, not drafting a lineman in the top 10 is a mistake. Look at the Jags taking Leonard Fournette. Look at the... <laughs> look at the... Giants taking Saquon Barkley. Look at the Falcons taking Bijan Robinson, which, you know, there's still time, but I think they're going to regret that greatly like look at the Falcons taking Kyle Pitts right like that's where you're able to build you're either taking a quarterback you're taking a lineman or you were taking a defensive back like those are the three three I guess four positions because you're talking offense defensive lineman those are the four positions that you really can only find in the first round in terms of no-brainer blue chip prospects like everything else is a is a get them in the system and see if we can develop them into a starter but you can find skill position players in the in the mid rounds. Alvin Kamara was a third round pick, right? Like the, there's a whole mess of options outside of the first round for all these other positions, and you should be drafting linemen in the in the first rounds. The problem is not that the Saints have drafted. The problem is not the positions the Saints have targeted in the draft. The problem is the production from the players you've targeted in the draft. And so you look at Jeff Ireland, you look at all this, you know, one of the things that I am annoyed with is we talked to Jeff Ireland at the senior bowl and they say, I, yeah, he says, I like dual threat quarterbacks. I am the scouting director for this team. And what kind of quarterback do I want? A dual threat quarterback. Well, you go out and you draft Jay Kaner. <laughs> like, <laughs> Either either you admit that that is that is the way to go, or it's not. But saying that and then not drafting the dual threat quarterback makes no sense to me. But all right, let's let's wrap this up. I appreciate everyone who came in here, dropped a comment. I know everyone's kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I am as well. I'm very excited. 
I'm going to be eating dinner across the wall. The, uh, my neighbor is, has invited us over. So we're going to be doing that. So I hope everyone has a good Thanksgiving and, you know, I hope uh, everyone enjoys plenty of Turkey or whatever your, whatever your vice is uh, vice of choice is enjoy the day and uh, enjoy football. The saints aren't playing. They cannot ruin your day. You are safe. You are safe from that this year. So I, I know I'm happy about it. I, I, I am curious, you know, do people like watching the saints on Thanksgiving? I actually kind of prefer when my team is not playing on Thanksgiving because I like to watch football, but I don't like to be stressed <laughs> and watching the saints. If anything is stressful. So you know, enjoy that. Enjoy enjoy whatever it is you like to enjoy. And thanks, as always, for listening to Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. Subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. Check out the latest news notes analysis on WWL.com. And, and listen, if you can't watch the game, listen to the game on WWL. I'll be on there. Be headed out to Atlanta, standing on the sideline this weekend. The, I've been out to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium several times. I've never watched a game from the sideline, so I am excited about that. And hopefully the Saints can give you something to get excited about. All right, y'all. Happy Thanksgiving. Be easy. Peace.